Hey, this is Kat Kahn from Knoxville, Tennessee. And Tanya Rice from Minneapolis, Minnesota. We are grateful you've joined us. And we cannot wait to share with you the musings of a couple of yogis. We hope you learn, laugh, and enjoy. And we hope you will share with us any of your comments or questions. Without further ado, this is Two Pittas on a Pod. Hey, Tanya. Hey, Kat. How's it going? It's going great. It's nice and sunny here in Tennessee. Not a cloud in the sky, no snow on the ground. How about you? Uh, it's sunny. Uh-huh. And I think we're at like 45, but we still have snow on wow. the ground. Wow. Wow. 45. That's pretty warm for you guys. <laughs> it's not actually. <laughs> it's supposed to be spring. We're just still well, in winter. You know, I do have to brag on you to all of our listeners. Tanya this weekend was a guest speaker at the Minnesota Yoga Conference. And it was like, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. She was there with some pretty other impressive people. And so we're very proud of her. So hopefully we can get her to do that energy talk maybe on the podcast sometime. What do you think? That's actually a a brilliant idea. (laughs) I have to say, I was really nervous. I was really nervous, like up until maybe one minute into the speech. So that means from the time I arrived at 7 a.m., until the time I spoke at 2.30. So, I mean, 2.31 was maybe when I finally let go of the nerves and mm-hmm. just spoke. But mm-hmm. Well, I am very excited today because do you remember, I know you do, a few weeks ago, maybe a month and a half ago, um, we did some book reviews and your book pick was The Chakras in Grief and Trauma by Carla Helbert. And so I posted about that book and the other books that we reviewed on Instagram. And then I got a message from Carla and I was so thrilled. And long story short, she agreed uh, to come on our podcast and be our guest. So we are talking to her today. I know. And it was really fantastic, too, when it happened, because here we were just reading a book and talking about how much we liked it. And we had no idea the author was going to reach out to us and say, hey, thanks for talking about my book. (laughs) (laughs) So, well, let me tell you a little bit about Carla. She's a licensed professional counselor, a yoga therapist, a meditation teacher, a Reiki practitioner, and an award-winning author. Her life changed after the death of her firstborn child. Carla's private therapy practice has a focus on loss, grief, and bereavement, working in particular with those affected by trauma and traumatic death. She leads classes, workshops, and retreats for the traumatically bereaved, as well as trainings for professionals on how to work compassionately and effectively with those impacted by traumatic grief. Her award-winning book, Yoga for Grief and Loss, is endorsed and used by teacher as a teacher tool by leaders, teachers, and experts in the field of yoga, as well as grief and loss. She's also the author of Finding Your Own Way to Grieve, a creative activity workbook for kids and teens on the autism spectrum. It's the recipient of the gold medal for books in the category of grief, death, and dying from independent publishers. Her book, The Chakras in Grief and Trauma, A Tantric Guide to Energetic Wholeness, that's the book that we reviewed, is currently the only book on the chakras focusing on the ways our energy bodies are impacted by grief, trauma, and grief. And that's what drew us to her, that book. So welcome, Carla. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here with y'all. 
It is quite fantastic. I do think that as I came to discover your book, I, you know, have my own love of grief practices, we'll say, and I have done my own grief training in, at the Kripalu Center. And so I think that's kind of what clued me into your book as I was doing some searches on grief and yoga and up popped your book. And so I purchased it. And, you know, sometimes when you just pick a book off of Amazon, you're not quite sure if it's going to be a win or not. And I, from the time I opened your book on through, I was like, oh, this is a win. <laughs> and I was highlighting all along. And, and I was like, oh, Kat, we got to talk about this book because this book is yeah. fantastic. So, you know, you do need to send me a picture of how you have tagged her book. So when when we do air this episode, I can show all of our readers how many little tabs you have hanging out the sides of it. Yeah. <laughs> so Carla, can you tell us a little bit about like your yoga journey and like your biggest first aha moment in the chakra world? Because I know that you're, you have like all these accolades, like, right, like you have yoga teacher training, you've got your license as a counselor and therapist and, you know, all of your accolades. So how can we kind of like hone this in for our listeners? Because I know that your journey has been a big journey. And you usually like if Kat tells her yoga journey, or I tell my yoga journey, parts of those grief and parts of those traumas fit into that yoga journey. So I think maybe if you could just help us with your yoga journey, that might clue us into the who of who you are. Oh, gosh. Well, I never took a yoga class in my life until I was maybe like 27, 26 or 27, late 20s. And uh, I was a I danced my whole life and also, I mean, another part of that, like the aha chakra moment, I've been aware of chakras, although I used to say chakras and there's a little funny thing about that, but um, <laughs> aware of that, like being part of a spiritual, spiritual uh, seeker, we'll say for years and years and in like the new age community and sort of energetic work in, in overall. And so I knew they were there, but I don't really think I ever really understood how vital, you know, they are or, and how real they were to me until I started really diving into that uh, work through yoga, but not until after grief, but, and I never took, you know, any other kind of yoga. It was integral yoga that I started taking because there was a studio near my house and I really loved it. And I don't know if y'all know a lot about integral yoga, but part of what I loved about it is that it included chanting and it included a spiritual aspect and it, and it brought together uh, really my, my notion of what I really enjoyed about a, a polytheistic kind of viewpoint. And I didn't know much about the Hindu pantheon at all at that point, but I did have like a lot of love for my goddess journey. And then now I had all these other new goddesses I could focus on. It was just cool. Mm. And I was like, Ooh, this, and this ties together like the movement, piece for me and that all those things that I really loved in other part of, of my life and belly danced for a long time. So it was like pieces that all spoke to me and I loved it so much. I was like, well, I should do the teacher training. I saw a little flyer in the studio one day and that was life changing. Like I had no, uh, so many people who take yoga teacher training will say about life changing and the sutras, Patanjali sutras, which I had never heard of, you know, I was like, oh my gosh, like it was so rich. And that's what I loved the most is that the philosophy of yoga 
and never knew anything about it until that moment. And then, so that was in 2002, I did my yoga teacher training. And then in 2006, my son died of a brain tumor. And that kind of traumatic grief, just, it just rocks your whole universe. It's just everything that you just assumed to be true about the universe all of a sudden is not. And it was beyond devastating, catastrophic. And all of my spiritual practices that I had really depended on and just took for granted as part of who I am just turned to dust and it was horrible it was horrible I lost I felt like I lost everything not just him yeah. but everything it still makes yeah. me cry you know it's just yeah. it was so the dark night of the soul real thing and in the dark night of the soul is where, you know, we feel totally disconnected from spirit, totally disconnected from the divine. And I did not know what to do with that. I was like, what do I do? And every time I would approach my mat, I would just get furious and angry. And I didn't have anybody who told me it's okay to feel like that. Like, it's fine to feel like that. And I just avoided it. I did chant a lot. That was the thing that got me, really got me through a lot of dark times. Chanting was one of my favorite things to do. And that was super, super helpful and connecting. But there was so much of it that I was just like, well, I have no spiritual self anymore. I mean, it's just all gone. Hmm. And then gradually, you know, over time that started to change a little bit. And it was a, it was a, a long time. I never knew when I was coming out the other end of that, that darkness really. Hmm. And you come out different, you know, things are definitely shifted, but but I, during that time too, I started attending support groups, which is incredibly helpful. And these support groups were part of the Miss Foundation, which is, we're an organization that supports families after the death of a child. And it supports, you know, everybody in the family. And I was really lucky enough that I had a chapter here. People think I started that chapter, but I didn't. And I was just so grateful that it was there for like three years. That was like my major support place. And then at that time, we used to have a, a conference every two years. And I kept wanting to go, but something kept getting in the way and getting in the way. And finally, because if I do something for work, I will do it. I'll, I'm going to submit a, a proposal for a workshop. And if they accept it, then I have to go. And I was like, then, okay, what can I do? What can I do? <laughs> Well, I could do a yoga for grief and loss workshop. That's what I'll do. And so I just like made it up. But in doing that, and I created like this 20 page little PDF. It was like a, a small booklet to go, which is really kind of a lot of material for a, a workshop at a conference. But as I was doing that, I realized that I really had been falling back tools of yoga, but I didn't really realize that's what was going on. And another part about integral yoga is that we, in that, in that tradition, we talk a lot, of, it brings together the various branches of yoga as well. I realized just how I had been using all those different branches of yoga and in, in not really realizing how they had been supporting me. And so later, and I had already written the Finding Your Own Way to Grieve book, I thought, well, I'm going to, somebody suggested I put that little booklet as an ebook on my website. And I didn't know if I could do that in terms of my book contract. And so I asked and they're like, oh, can we see that? And I was like, sure. And they wrote me back and said, can you write a book based on this? And I was like, oh, of course I can. Like, that's not a big deal or something. <laughs> <laughs> honestly, um, the Finding Your Own Way to Grieve book just kind of just really was not a difficult book for me to write. It was based on some stuff I had done with kids in therapy. And it's a really good book, but it wasn't a struggle. And I'm going to tell you, writing that book was a huge, it was another spiritual journey. I just thought had all of these issues around, oh my God, 
I'm not a Swami. I'm not any kind of like expert. And then I was like, well, but you are an expert on what has happened to you. And, and I'm a really great researcher and reader and learner. And I was like, I can do this, but it was just such a, such a uh, travail. You know, I was just like working so hard to try to find this, like my way through it. And I ended up writing yoga for grief and loss, but it, the deadline was, and it got longer and longer as we went on. And it's not that long overall, but it's, it's like twice as long as I had initially thought it was going to be. And mm-hmm. each chapter talks about a different branch of yoga and how specifically those branches can help you in trauma and grief. And when I got to the Tantra chapter, which interestingly is the only branch of yoga that integral yoga doesn't talk about. And I was like, okay, now I have to do a whole different kind of research. And, and that's a tantric practices dealing with the chakras and, and energy and prana in the body. And I just delved into it. And that's when the chakras really became like super real to me. And I was also kind of like amazed that to find that I have been a tantrika all along <laughs> and <laughs> realized that, you know, any path that is a goddess path is tantra. And when I was writing that chapter for the Yoga for Grief and Loss book, I just, when I got to the part where I was talking about the chakras, I could not stop. Like I was just writing and writing and writing and writing and spending all this time like in those energetic spaces in my body and, and researching too, all sorts of different places. And my husband even said, he's like, you can't, you can't leave that in there. And I was like, I can't stop though. I cannot stop. I wrote about every single one of the chakras, like in depth in that one chapter. <laughs> And I ended up literally taking 45,000 words and setting it aside for later. And then that chunk of words turned into the chakra book. Mm -hmm. Um, And and it got a lot longer than I thought it was going to be. It was quite a process editing that thing. So it's almost like we could say it's the Bhavagad Gita from the Mahabharata. I don't know if I would say that. (laughs) (laughs) It just happened to evolve out of one chapter of that book into its own book. Yeah. And I, so it was not hard when I went back to it and I was like, now I'm going to write this one. And it was just, and I have a, a client of mine who there are lots of, so, so a lot of my clients who like have the yoga book, I have all these books sitting around here though. And then later the chakra book came out after that. And she read that one and she's like, I wish I'd had this one first. And I was like, oh, why? Because in my mind, I was like, well, if you don't know a lot about yoga, the Yoga for Grief and Loss book is really like a better, better in quotes, foundation for like understanding. And she said, no, 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 it's so much more personal. And I, it really is like the, I think the Yoga for Grief and Loss is also, if you read it, it is still like kind of having a conversation with me about these, these, the issues and um, the, the, the branches of yoga. But the chakra book, because it's, it's like all about like maybe what you're experiencing and feeling in your own energy system, it is a lot more personal. And I mm-hmm. didn't even think about it that way when I was Uh-oh. writing them, writing that book. So it was a really, and it wasn't nearly as difficult as the first one to get through or to feel like I had the right, you know, to be writing it because it really was, it's not all of just my own experience. Cause I tried to be a lot broader about what, and, and, and I'm not saying at all that it's the end all on this is how a chakras are in grief and trauma, but I tried to be more broad in different types of of trauma, like including childhood trauma and other trauma throughout parts of our lives and not just death-related trauma in that in that book. Um, and I haven't experienced all of those things, right? Or talking about losing a spouse. I haven't experienced that. So it's not all about my personal experience, but it is very personal because mm-hmm. I think 
And when we're having those experiences, it is so personal, you know, it can't be anything other than personal. So it's, it's pretty, and, and in that process, I felt and experienced all of those, like all the exercises that are in it. I did that stuff. Like I, I like practiced it and then, you know, followed the prana and here's how my experience of it was. And, and so it was a, a very deep dive into my own energy system. So that was really kind of like, that was a major aha moment too, of like, wow, you know, we can really get in there and learn so much about ourselves from our own, which is what Patanjali says, your own direct experience of what's happening in, in your own energy body. And it was really powerful. It was an, it was writing that book was really amazing. It was really great, a great experience. And I'm wow. glad that you like it. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny when I first heard that, I was like, oh God, what if they say, what if they hate the book? (laughs) (laughs) Bad review. You talked about energy balance early on in the book, in the introduction. In fact, can you talk a little bit more about that? Because you mentioned that when we first started talking. Uh, Well, well. yeah, I mean, and y'all know. I think that uh, that a lot of people think that your chakras are in your energy in general is supposed to be in balance all the time, and I. And I really love the the system of the gunas, you know, the qualities of energy in the universe, which kind of amazes me that there's only three, but it's a big span of what those three are like. And so, you know, you have the tamasic, which is for your you know, listeners that might not know, like that's one end, one side of the spectrum and it's the lower, I mean, it can be just like, oh, I'm tired. I need to take a rest or whatever, or it can be all the way to like torpores or my, I can't move my body. And I'm just like su- super depressed and, you know, really on the far end of that pole. And then rajasic energy is the more frenetic moving around. Like I can't sit still all the way to potentially like really manic kind of energy. And then the center is, is sattva, the harmony and balance and that, and we're always, well, I don't know about that's not a, it's a blanket statement, but moving towards hopefully that harmonic balanced space and all the practices of yoga are meant to take us to that sattvic place, but we're never always there. And people think, oh, my chakras are out of balance. Well, yeah, because they get that way. I mean, it's like you, it's like your physical body is always moving or, or moving towards homeostasis, but you drink a cup of coffee and then, oh, now you're over here in the <laughs> the energy. And mm-hmm. then your body tries to like regain that balance and get back to the center. And then, you know, maybe you're just overworked and you're overtired and you're sliding over again into the tamasic side or you eat too much food and then you're like weighed down. If the energy body is a similar thing, I mean, it's always working towards balance, but they're not always in balance. So people as a Reiki practitioner um, and sometimes in therapy, like we'll do these, I do guide visualizations and help people balance their energy that way, lots of different ways. But most of the time, and there's always going to be something that's out of balance. And I try mm-hmm. to talk to encourage people to do, you know, their own daily energetic hygiene. You know, I have a really simple chakra balancing exercise that you can spend like 25 minutes with. I mean, in fact, if you want, I'll, I'll send y'all a link. There's a, okay. it's in the chapter seven, the crown chakra chapter at the end where I bring together all the chakras. Mm-hmm. There's a recording of that and it's like 20 minutes, 25 minutes, or you can literally do it in like 
nine breaths, like moving through your body. It can be done quickly, but we're sending our roots down and balancing your, your root and getting grounded and then coming up and just balancing your own energy every single day and your energetic container. I do that every single day and work with people to do that as well. It's nice to go to somebody and get your, get a Reiki, Reiki session, get your stuff done for you. Cause it's, it's a whole different experience, but it's like that. I sort of liken it to going and getting your nails done professionally. Mm-hmm. Almost never do, but it's nice to have it done. They look really good, but also, you know, if you get a hangnail or you need to trim them or you need to file them, you do that at home because you can, yeah. or you can spend like a long time with your nails and make them really nice and, you know, do the whole manicure for yourself, but it doesn't have to take long to just maintain. So, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of energy balancing, I think we all should be doing all the time. I love that. That's great. I have to say, I love the way your, your book is set up. I love how the sections are set up. I love how much knowledge you give in each section. Uh, It just, it's such a rich book. And I have to say the little fun part too was your whole section on aromatherapy at the end. I did just love that as well. It's just such a full book. And so I, you've got so much knowledge and the pictures are beautiful. So I do hope that everyone will go out and buy this, but can you tell us a little bit more about your work with aromatherapy? Sure. Yeah. I'm not a certified aromatherapist and I'm, I know I must, I say it in the book, but I have worked with essential oils since like the early nineties and I just love, I love them. And to me, the essential oils are the vital life force of the plant. Like it's the prana of a plant and they are so powerful. They can help shift our energy. And the thing I really loved when I was writing that book is how much I came to really understand even better the oils that I was working with at the time. And I was consulting with a a certified aromatherapist at the time as well when I was writing it. And she was super helpful, Katie Bugs, who used to live here in Richmond and now lives in California. She's a, a really awesome lady. But she was always there for me if I had a question about specific, you know, things that a a certified aromatherapist would know, but I've worked with them for so long. I'm so familiar with it. It's there. I am for, and that was an interesting thing, like on my grief journey, that was another thing I lost. I didn't care about, I had like hundreds of bottles of oils that just like went rancid because I didn't use them at all because I always used them for spiritual and like ritualistic purposes. And I was, I couldn't, I was just, I was mad at essential oils. I was mad at yoga. And so I kind of lost that too. And then it was 2013, I think maybe a friend of mine said, oh, you should come to this um, workshop. It's this aromatherapy for therapists. And I got there and it was me and one other licensed therapist. Everybody else was acupuncturist and body workers and Reiki practitioners. And that was before I had done my Reiki training too. And that weekend, which was, um, it's where I met Katie, actually. It was this, it was so heart opening and it was just this, it was the breakthrough that kind of got me out of that dark night of the soul. And the oil that, that picked me to work with was rosemary. And I had never really been a big rosemary fan up until then, but rosemary is for remembrance. And it just like broke everything back open for wow. so amazing. And then I, then I spent a shitload of money on essential oil. <laughs> built up my collection again. So when I was working on that book, I wanted different modalities that would help people 
support their energy system. And because essential oils are true, like they truly are. I mean, maybe somebody would disagree with me, but to me, it is the chronic life force of the plant. It's the vital life force. And if they're like magical and they're alchemical, and when you put different ones of them together and you make blends, it's a synergy that didn't exist before. And all that's, you know, energy and they're so powerful. But I was so struck by how the physical uses, and you can see it particularly like in the throat chakra oils, of how the physical uses of an oil really mirror the spiritual and energetic uses of the oils. It's really interesting. Like a, it's because it's so obvious in the throat chakra, it's like everything that those oils do open up congested spaces and they do that spiritually as well. Like they help the energy to move and to, to shift any spaces that are, you know, clogged up and just like infected is maybe like like you think of a sinus infection and clearing that out i mean they do that but on a spiritual level it's really interesting and all of them are that way so when you see an herb or a plant that does a certain thing on a physical level you look at a spiritual and energetic kind of mirror of that and think of how it works on that level and they and they they do it's really incredible and again like i never really understood it in depth until i really jumped in there and i was also i wasn't just writing about it i was practicing it mm -hmm. it's it really is important it is literally plant medicine it is yeah yeah mm -hmm. so it's fantastic and i i feel like we could talk forever and ever tell us where our listeners can find you what you offer what you got to share because they're all going to be like wait i want to know more about <laughs> well, um, my website is just carlahelbert.com. It's pretty easy to find. And, and on on that, it, every contact form on uh, every page comes straight to my email. I don't have a team. It's just me. So I'm always the one who's reading stuff that comes to me. And I, as a psychotherapist, because of the limitations of licenses and all of this, I can only be somebody's psychotherapist in the state of Virginia. But I'm an internationally certified yoga therapist, also a hypnotherapist, and that doesn't really have any kind of constraints against where you can use that kind of work. And I can do all of these things in a consulting way with people in grief and in trauma and in, in questions about energy and as a Reiki practitioner as well. So I'm not really limited in how I can work with people. And I do a lot of things like I, you know, distant Reiki practices over COVID became really interesting that I had never really done that to that in that depth that I had been working with people online in that way. I uh, was usually only doing re distant Reiki as sort of part of my just regular practice, kind of like a prayer list, you know, like sending Reiki to here and Reiki to here, not really one-on-one -on -one with people. And when I started doing that in COVID, it was a really powerful. So I have yeah. a lot of distant Reiki people. I also read tarot cards. I mean, that's another thing I love to do. That's oh, wow. That's <laughs> awesome. I've been reading tarot cards for 30 years. So I do a lot of different things and people can find me that way. But I also am teaching workshops. I have a really, I have a cool thing I'm doing in June. That's an online thing. It's a, it's Reiki for hurting heart. It's on my website. It's also on Eventbrite, but it's a two hour workshop where I'm going to also do a two minute with people so they can do their own Reiki. And it's a little different. It's not fully a Reiki training, but I, you know, I, there was a time when I would have probably had a problem with me doing that or somebody else doing that, but people need, who need that kind of energetic support may need to do it every day. And that's kind of prohibitive to go pay a Reiki practitioner every day. So I'll open the channel with an attunement. I don't give any symbols or anything like that. You really need to have training for that I, is my feeling, but helping people feel that energetic movement 
and give themselves that that energetic support that is so needed in grief and trauma. Um, so that's happening in June. And I'm I'm working actively on online courses that are yoga for grief and loss and the chakras that's happening and they'll be up by fall. But I, I do a lot of one-on-one work with people virtually and in person. If you're in Richmond, I've got it's the first yoga workshop that I've done in person in a while. I'm doing that May 21st, the half day workshop, working on just mindful movement and some journaling and guided meditations, some awesome yoga nidra at the end, also trained in yoga nidra, which I love. You're speaking all of Cat and Mai's language, my Reiki, my tarot, Cat's nidra. You're speaking all of our languages. Yeah. I mean, that's all the stuff I love, you know, and I've had um, like business coaches tell me I do too many things. And I'm just, I'm sorry. I just don't know how to like get rid of any of this stuff. And to <laughs> me, they're all related, you know, it's all about energy. It's like the ongoing joke at our studio. It's all the things you have to do all the things. <laughs> it has been a pleasure to have you with us. I, I hope that our listeners do jump on the bandwagon for reading your book or come and take my 200 and 300 hour where they'll get to learn about it. Absolutely. <laughs> it's been a pleasure. We appreciate yeah. you. It's been great talking with y'all. And I, and I want you to, I really appreciate that y'all, appreciate the book and and I just I'm really grateful and I am honored that you use it to teach in your yoga teacher training because I there are a few people that use my books in their trainings and to me that's like one of the highest honors to trust like sharing that knowledge with students who are you know maybe brand new to learning a lot of this stuff like I was you know when I first started that's just such a huge thing to me and I, I'm just really grateful yeah of course well you are wonderful and thank you so much well, thank you mm-hmm. good talking to y'all Perfect. I'm Kat Kahn. And I'm Tanya Rice. And this is Two Pittas on a Pod signing off. Thank you for listening to Two Pittas on a Pod. We're grateful you joined us. Join us again for more musings of a couple of yogis. We hope you learned, laughed, and enjoyed this podcast. And we hope you will share your comments or questions. Email us at twopittasonapod at gmail.com. And like us on Facebook and Instagram at Two Pittas on a Pod.